Welcome, everyone. I think this is episode 36 of Junior Resource Investing. I'm going to hand it over to my guest here, Jack Stock, in one second. But as always, base, super basic disclaimer, right? Uh, not financial advice, entertainment purposes only. Please check YouTube notes below for the full meal deal. But I have with me today Jack Stock of Globex Mining Enterprises. Do I have that correct? And I just wanted, Jack, why don't you just take us away here, 30-second elevator pitch. Let us know. I mean, your company is pretty interesting and definitely stands out in the in a crowded junior sector. Why don't you take a few 30 seconds here and kind of fill us in on what you are? Okay. Well, we're a, we're a project generator property bank. A little bit different than most. Uh, we're a senior stock exchange uh, listed uh, junior company. Very, very few shares out, only 55 million. Uh, we've never done a rollback. Uh, we have money in the bank. We're diversified. We will do any kind of mineral or compound that has the potential of generating a profit for shareholders to the point where currently we have uh, 232 projects, including 90 royalties. That's sort of the elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the joke that I've heard people make is that you're actually a business, right? In a, in a sector full of companies that are money pits, you actually concern yourself with revenue and, and balancing the books occasionally. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept I hope we can dig into here. Maybe before we get into it a bit more, just introduce yourself, Jack. You obviously have a very long uh, resume at this point. Do you just want to discuss I mean, where you've come from and, and, and how you got here, I suppose? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a geologist. Uh, I have a degree from, uh, at the time it was called Sir George Williams, now it's called Concordia in uh, Montreal, and I did some little bit of graduate studies in uh, at McGill, uh, and then I got offered a job by Naranda, so I never finished the graduate work, uh, and I was doing exploration. I moved to Rouen, Naranda, started doing exploration uh, for Naranda. Uh, I found out after about two and a half years that I was not too good at following orders, so uh, I quit. And I went on my own, uh, started by doing consulting and property acquisitions, uh, had a really good business going. And then I foolishly listened to a broker and he told me I should take uh, one of my properties and go public. And we had the shell for Globex, which I had purchased uh, to do uh, somebody a favor. And uh, so we used that vehicle and we built it up from that one property up to now 232 projects. Hmm. And it, I mean, obviously impressive is going back, you know, a number of decades to do this. So maybe I want to transition, you know, kind of dovetailing into that. The question of the, the philo philosophy behind your actions and, 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 you know, because you do stand out in the junior sector, as I mentioned, right? Real business, real revenue, which is makes you something of a unicorn in the junior sector. Uh, do you maybe I'm just explaining, you know, like I say, 30,000 foot view, why does this, you're not quite a project generator. So yeah, you, you, you are, you know, you're not really an explorer, but you're, you know, land claim collector, project generation style company. What draws you to that over the more traditional, uh, just junior explorer style company? Uh, well, a lot of things that probably the principal thing, I like value and I hate losing money. Uh, and uh, if you look at the junior mining sector, uh, as you said at the beginning, most of them are money pit. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, risk is important in our business. It's the basis, the lifeblood of our business. But I think you should minor, minimal, minimize it. Uh, and one of the ways to minimize it is to generate revenue. And we've succeeded in that over the years. Uh, there's several advantages to generating revenue. Number one, you don't have to dilute your shareholders. 
the company has been around. It's been list, we listed in 1987, so about 40 years, and we only have 55 million shares out. We've never done a rollback. Uh, we have no debt. We own all of our 232 projects, and we have over $25 million in the bank in cash and shares of other companies, plus real estate. So we've built something that has intrinsic value. Uh, is it a flash in the pan kind of company? No. Is there expiration risk? Yes. Uh, we do uh, every year a couple billion dollars worth of expiration, but tens of millions of dollars of expiration are done by other companies. They take the risk while paying us for the right to try to earn an interest in our assets. So it's a different kind of model. Reduced risk, don't dilute your shareholders. One of the important things about not diluting the shareholders my wife and I are the biggest shareholders. Self-interest. <laughs> Always mm -hmm. nice to see self-interest in our business. Skin the game, absolutely. I mean, and I think that as you say, though, it it there is logic to your strategy, obviously, right? Revenue in, you know, cash in, cash out. Um, and and you discuss this, you know, long kind of slow burn where you know you just slowly achieve critical mass, you know, over the years. Because at a certain point, you're almost seems like you're going to transition into a royalty company with collecting 90 royalties now, right? But I guess maybe the question I have for you, just kind of to, to tie up this question around, you know, your, your philosophy regarding financings or regarding just cash flow for your company. Have you ever considered, a I mean, you say, you say, you know, 55 million shares in, 40 years in, obviously you have not done many financings or any public financings. Have you ever considered that to accelerate the process? I mean, have you ever kind of been championed a bit wishing you had another five or $10 million with which to pursue something? Or is it just that you've, this this dedication to patience has been always been your been your uh, your mo I suppose. Yeah, I think the dedication to patience is important, uh, and it sets us apart from others. Uh, actually, caring about shareholders sets us apart from others. Uh, not to disparage other companies, but that's we we feel that we uh, have their concerns more in line with our concerns than most other junior companies. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's hard really to comment on this. Really, um, I think I think I pass on that. Okay. Point. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that ultimately you do provide a, a lot of value to investors, right? I mean, it's almost as like a royalty company or a little mini, almost like an ETF, right? Where it's this diversified exposure to a lot of different commodities. And I think people, you know, if you if you're looking for exposure to commodities, something like your company, where you know the projects are vetted by experts such as yourself, there is value in that, right? But maybe I'll ask: Do you want to just discuss your team? I mean, who who's there with you? Your board, or who, who helps you make these decisions? I mean. 232 projects across dozens of different minerals. Maybe, you know, do is this something that you are working on solo or who is your team that backs you up with this decision-making to shore sure. up your knowledge? Sure. First thing I, I just say, what well, the reason I'm passing on is because we've got a couple of things in the works and I don't want to say something that could raise certain expectations or be in conflict with what we're trying to do. So uh, I know it's kind of odd to pass on something, but I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be very careful what I say. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, as helping uh, with the decisions, we got a really good board. Uh, and when I need it, uh, I can approach these people. Um, one of them is a, a director of Kinross, uh, a guy with, you know, about 40 years experience. Uh, he's been president of, of uh, you know, senior companies. Uh, we have a finance professional who's literally run billions of dollars. Uh, we have a, a, a geologist who was... Uh, 
uh, an analyst for Casey de Plasma, and we also have my wife, who is a mining analyst for uh, financial analyst for Miranda Mines. Uh, so, like, we're all people in the business, no doctors, no dentists, and so on. Uh, as far as decisions are concerned uh, on property acquisitions, uh, on the simple day-to-day acquisitions, uh, I do that myself. When something gets into more complex uh, with significant amounts of money having to be put up front or a complex contract, uh, then directors become involved, uh, our chief geologist becomes involved, um, and uh we have a whole series of outside experts uh, in various things. Like we have a silica expert because we have a number of silica projects. We have a metallurgical expert uh, who is a, uh, uh, well, whenever we have a question related to a project, he gives us his input. Uh, so uh, we're probably better structured that way and outside help. And then internally, uh, we're about uh, 12 full-time staff, including myself, uh, and we don't have junior people or intermediate to senior people. Uh, we have seven geologists, uh, including uh, a structural geologist, uh, which is something that most companies don't have. So I have a lot of input, uh, but the mistakes that I make are my own. <laughs> Buck stops there, eh? Yeah. Follow-up question here. Just perusing the last few years of your, your annual MDNA, MDNA pardon me, uh, to the past three years, your management compensation was pretty reasonable, kind of stayed stayed pretty steady. But then last year, I think there was salaries and benefits specifically nearly tripled year over year. Do you just care to explain the discrepancy there, how that came to be? It wasn't the discrepancy. Uh, it was the board resolution. What happened was uh, we did a number of transactions that resulted in significant payments uh, to uh, Globex, for example, uh, the Tennessee uh, mm-hmm. royalty we sold uh, for about uh, $18.5 million, uh, mainly about $13 million cash, the rest in shares. And then we did the, the deal with, at the time, Yamana, uh, which now is Agnigo Eagle. And that was $15 million over a five-year period, including a 2% gross metal royalty. So the board just looked at it and said, hey, you you did an exceptional job. We're going to give you a bonus. Uh, and if you actually look at the numbers, uh, the salary portion of it is lower than a lot of other companies mm-hmm. in the junior space that just have like one or two projects. Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't want to to mislead any listeners here. Yeah, that your the executive compensation is very competitive, right? There are There's not... Uh, not a lifestyle company by any stretch in terms of those sort of risks. No, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to, so I do want to talk about your, your sales, right? Yamana and an emperor that, that you have some kind of exciting kind of big, big number acquisitions recently, but prior to that, I mean, you know, like I say, maybe we'll transition into more specific questions or in-depth questions here, but maybe just still doing like the, the boilerplate sort of, sort of uh, advertising turn 32 holdings, obviously too many to discuss all at once. Do you want to just brag about a couple here, Jack? I mean, so I'll, I'll, I'll just for fair warning, I'll ask you about your royalties afterwards. But do you want to brag about a couple names people might recognize, or or maybe you know deep value holdings that you particularly want to highlight? Okay, which one of my children do I love the best? Is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Actually, I like them all. They're they're all there for a reason, uh, and they're all there because they have potential. We don't have any any, you know, excuse my language, any bullshit properties. They're, they actually, actually have 
you know, drill holes with value, surface showings, mineralization, drill targets. It's not just closology mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of other companies play. Uh, so as to ones that I like, I mean, we, like you mentioned, two, two deals in passing, the deal that we did with Emperor on the Duquesne West Ottoman project, which is on the Porcupine Death Star break. I like that one. Uh, we've already got uncut about 853,000 ounces outlined, and they're currently on, uh, we've done a deal with Emperor. They're on hole four of a, about a 10,000 meter drill program. And I like that project for among other reasons, uh, we're getting option payments of $10 million, 15 million shares of Emperor, $12 million in work and a 3% gross overriding royalty. What's not the love? Uh, okay, and the other one that you mentioned was the Francoeur, which is a Francoeur Ironfield, which is west of Rouen Naranda. There's a series of historical producers. Uh, Yamana, which again, which is now Agnigo, uh, was putting the next door uh, Wasamac into production, and we had the strike extension of the Wasa Fault, uh, which is the localizing structure for the Wasamac deposit. So they approached us, we started to negotiate, and we ended up with a deal for $15 million cash payable over five years mm-hmm. and a 2% gross overriding royalty. So those are two of my favorites. Uh, other things that I like, uh, apart from all of them, uh, I like the, uh, I know it's going to be a weird one, the uh, the Timmins Talc Magnesite Deposit. Uh, it's a uh, very highly altered ultramafic, uh, which has been altered into high purity, high brightness talc and magnesite. Now, talc, you probably all heard about talc and Johnson Johnson being sued because of asbestos and blah, blah, blah. Well, the use of talc nowadays is not for baby baby powder is actually now cornstarch. Uh, and... Uh, but the big use for and the high-end use for talc is uh, is a, as an additive to plastics, and the value of the talc is based upon how bright it is, meaning how white it is. And all the high brightness talc comes from China. There's no North American source for high brightness talc. Well, here we have a deposit, a huge open pit deposit, 13 kilometers south of Timmins, Ontario. Uh, Potential life of this deposit, two, 300 years, gigantic. Uh, and the the talc is high brightness, 92, 93. Uh, and uh, it is, we have made plastics with it. It's perfect for that end use. The thing that's also kind of cool about this project is most talc deposits are talc deposits. Uh, this one is talc magnesite. And magnesite, you can make magnesium metal or you can make magnesium oxide. And magnesium oxide has got a number of uses. The most common use is for refractory brick. Those are the bricks that you see in furnaces and fireplaces. Uh, Probably you've all seen glass making or steel furnaces. You ever wonder why the furnaces don't melt? They don't melt because they're lined with magnesium oxide bricks. Well, this project, the magnesite is perfect for making magnesium oxide brick. You could also make metal if you wish. Uh, the other use for magnesium oxide is for wallboard. Uh, your most wallboard in your house and your office is made out of gypsum. And gypsum is very good, except gypsum absorbs water. So if you have it in the basement, you have flooding. If you have it in the bathroom, the moisture can get into it. 
and you get black mold, so it's dangerous. If you make it with magnesium oxide, it does not absorb water. Obviously, it's more fireproof and it's more rigid. So it's got a lot of advantages. So a lot of uh, builders are switching, starting to produce now, companies trying to produce magnesium oxide wall. So this particular project, 85% of the rock is ore. Hmm. Open mine, open pit mineable hmm. near Timmins, Ontario. Perfect situation. No impurities, no asbestos, no sulfides. So the residue, the 15% is a base, basically carbonate and silica. We can actually give it away to somebody like uh, the owner of Glencore, the owners of the uh, the Kid Creek tailings. I'm sure they'd be happy to have it on their tailings as a part of sealing the tailings. So it's a beautiful project, tremendous potential uh, as a moneymaker. Um, other things, I mean, there's so many that I love. One I just picked up recently, which was just starting to analyze, is dolomite. And dolomite you can also make magnesium metal out of or uh, it's used in the steel industry. This particular property is within walking distance of the loading docks at Half St. Pierre on the North Shore. So you could mine it open pit, put it on a barge, and ship it to the steel industry on the Great Lakes. Mm. Uh, starting off with 24 million tons uh, open pitable and the potential for much more. So mm. those are just a couple of the things. I mean, we have a lot of industrial minerals, rare earths, lithium, uh, you name it, all kinds of compounds uh, and uh, specialty metals, kaolin, I mean, you name it, we got it. And again, that's, you know, I, I try to be balanced here, but I get, I think there are sometimes companies I come across that I just can't help but like, and I think that you yours performs a very interesting function where you're not just recycling the same old moose pasture, right? You're not just buying the same piece of property that's been bought and sold through, you know, 10 times over 40 years. But, it, you know, you have this unconventional approach where, you know, that you, as you kind of say off the, off the hop that you're, you, you want to make money off these projects looking for value and, you know, you're not stuck purely in the precious metal sector that you're, you're fairly agnostic at that. And I think that, you know, for laymen or for, or for retail investors, it's difficult to achieve that level of knowledge. And so again, finding a company such as your own where you can get exposure to those things. Uh, there's cleverness there, but I'd like to circle back here. You're talking about your, your talc and magnet, you know, your, your Timmins talc magnesite project. Um, really interesting numbers here, right? Uh, I think I found a, an NPV of, you know, us $258 million. Um, I think, you know, all of Globex is right now trading at 40 million Canadian. And so, you, you know, you're trading at 0.1 NPV. And this is, as you said, 200, I mean, 200 years of mine life, NPV, I mean, severely discounting the last 190 years of that, right? And so almost difficult to, ach to achieve true valuation or true, true understandings, understanding that valuation, pardon me. But I guess maybe just, maybe I will just ask a couple of questions around that. I mean, first of all, you know, based on whatever historical data there is, what, what does it take for CapEx to get it to, to production? Like how, how, much, how much money is involved to get to, to production? Rough number. Uh, mm -hmm. depending on what you want to do and what you want to produce and how far down the chain you want to go between 180 million and 230 million. Sure. Okay. And sorry, is that Canadian or U.S.? Canadian. Canadian. And so what is, are you speaking to, you're actively engaging with, with parties right now about it, are you, with potential partners? We have a, 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 a very large international firm out of Europe. Uh, they're supposed to be coming onto the property uh, this summer or fall uh, to do a uh, 
sampling of the surface exposures. We blasted this blasted areas and so on because uh, they want to do their own metallurgical work. We've done tons of metallurgical work, uh, mineralogical work and so on. Uh, but they want to do, which is normal, they want to do their own. Uh, that would give us a leg up because uh, they are in the business. They already have the customer base. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to find the right partner to do a deal. And it's not easy uh, because everybody understands gold and there's tons of partners. If you want to do a deal on a gold project or a copper project, when you start getting into the specialty minerals, mm -hmm. it's different. but the profits that you can make are fantastic. Hmm. And so when, you know, I obviously don't expect you to, to, to give me material information here, but can you provide any light or color on what stage talks are at? You know, I mean, assuming they do come for a site visit here in the next couple of months, when might we hear updates from that? You know, what, what can you tell the market? And maybe as a follow-up question, when, will, when might the market expect to hear more, I guess? Um, another one of those things where I don't want to answer mm -hmm. because I don't want to give any information that that could be confidential or that could raise expectations uh mm -hmm. dealing a mineral uh, a non-basic mineral project has a lot of risk it's a big effort uh to get a, a deal done i mean we're currently doing a deal on a uh, a copper gold thing and it's been taking us what eight months uh to get that between the lawyers got involved and it's ridiculous uh so uh this particular kind of thing, you know, I've been hoping that we would have had this thing in production already, quite honestly. Uh, we had actually two firms that were coming to sample the property, then COVID hit. Uh, and uh, that sort of blew everything out of the water. Um, and now one of those companies is coming back. They're going to be doing it. Uh, and the other one we haven't heard from yet. So, uh I can't give you a timeline. I'd love to give you a timeline, but anything I give you is going to be not correct. So why bother giving it to you? Yeah, just smoke. No, I appreciate that. So maybe this will be another one of those questions. I mean, you can't fault my asking, right? But uh, and, and maybe maybe it's a, even a question of if we can somehow separate talks from your preferences. And, and I'll leave it to you if you think that's possible. But what's your preferred outcome? Is this just a pure sale where there's a royalty that you've got that you come along with? Is this a JV? I mean, what, what you know, if you if you had your druthers and, and you were kind of God Emperor for a day, what would what's your preferred outcome for that in terms of your partnership moving forward? Uh, well, if if I were God Emperor, huh, God, <laughs> I wake up and wish that every every day in my life. <laughs> I do have that attitude. Uh, but uh, yeah, what, what my I, I don't like joint ventures, uh, and we only have one joint venture. Uh, I don't like it because then you, you have to keep bargaining on a path forward, and that's basically it's a pain in the ass. Uh, I, I prefer uh, options where people have the option to earn the interest, preferably, they earn 100% interest, they pay us cash, they pay us shares, they do a defined amount of work, they take the risk. They take the dilution uh, by having to issue shares if they're junior companies. Uh, and at the end of the story, we have a gross metal royalty, which is a, a real percentage of the project. Uh, and it's it, it has the advantage, because all our deals are structured, that if uh, a partner doesn't go all the way to the end, so they're generally four-year deals, sometimes five, but usually four, if they don't make all the cash payments over the four years, all the share payments, do the work as required, 
then the property comes back to us. And what they've done is they've added value in most cases mm -hmm. to the project. If you look at that Duquesne West project, which I mentioned before, where we have the deal uh, for, what is it, uh, $10 million in cash over four years, uh, 15 million shares and 12, uh, 12 million in work, uh, we've optioned that property seven times, hmm. okay? And always something got in the way. The markets turned on the people. The last guys, they bumped the, 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 the resource up by a couple hundred thousand ounces and their stock price, the, the price of gold went down. Their stock price went down to two cents. They couldn't finance. We got the property, right? Hmm. They took the dilution. I'm sad for them because they're good guys. They did great work, but it's to my shareholders advantage. And that's whose advantage I have to focus on. So uh, sales, we do do sales. Uh, they're a very small portion of the of the deal. For example, the uh, the deal where we did sold the royalty on the Tennessee deposit, uh, or the uh, the Franck or Arnfield. Um, and I'll wait for a, for a deal because one of the things about the longevity of the company, uh, we had a property near the the, the uh, a mine the Kina mine which is in Lac de Montigny just north of northwest of uh, uh, Val d'Or uh, we did a drill program on it it's all our property is a hundred percent lake so we have no land so we drilled from the hmm. ice we got a number of holes with really good values and uh, we there's one obvious buyer the obvious buyer was the mine to the south Three different administrations took us 25 years, but we sold it for over a million dollars cash. Anybody else is crazy in this business, but we, we recognize the value. We plan to maintain the assets. We do maintain the assets if they have value. So uh, we have a long-term runway, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, I find that really interesting because I think that you kind of encapsulate the the, the the emotions that investors have to to master if they want to, to succeed in this sector, which is such a wild west kind of danger zone, is that that patience that you discussed too. But also, again, I think this really highlights nicely that distinction again between you and explorers, where that that massive dilution risk you just sidestep entirely, right? You're optioning out and collecting royalties, and I mean, you're just collecting just like a private investor would, just slowly collecting dividends, right? Collecting royalties and just that passive income, which I, I mean, once it starts to flow, obviously it gets to be really exciting. So maybe I'll use that as an opportunity here to sidestep back in to discuss royalties. And so you've secured 90, maybe just very first question off the top here, how many are producing and what's your expected annual revenue of this year from your royalties? Uh, I'm going to say, I can't tell you, uh, but not because I can't tell you because I don't know. Uh, the, the, we had the big zinc one, which was producing and that's the one we sold for over 18 million. Mm -hmm. uh, so that one's off. That was the one that was on, on the, the table uh, that was actually producing. Recently, uh, IM Gold have put the Fayol gold deposit into production. It's a small gold deposit, open pitable. You can go underground too, but they're open pitting it. Uh, it's north of Rouen Naranda. And they have what's called the Westwood Mill. And they ran into some underground problems at the mill. Uh, sorry, at the mine. So they need feeds. So they've taken three smaller projects and they're mining them. Uh, the uh, the uh, Fayol is in production now. Material has started to go to the mill. We do not have any numbers yet on how much has passed through the mill, how much they've actually blasted yet. 
we're waiting. It's this is the first quarter, so uh, we'll put out press releases uh, if it's worthwhile once we start getting the actual information. So that's the one that is in production right now. Uh, the the company Sayona have the OCA lithium uh, project near La Motte, which is halfway between Beldor and Norway uh, in Quebec. And uh, there's a, a deposit outlined, open pitable. We have a royalty on the middle of the deposit of the open pit. Uh, they're doing the public uh, called a BAP, where they a consultation with the public uh, for final approval to start open pitting that. They have a mill. The mill is actually in production at the, what was called the formerly Quebec lithium mine. So this will be providing feed for the Quebec lithium mine. Uh, we also have another one. I can't say for sure what stage they're at, uh, but a company called Serato, which is a gold company. They have a gold mm -hmm. project in production in Brazil. Uh, they bought uh, a company called what a company. Uh, and they now own what's called the Montsorcier Iron Vanadium project. And Globex has a 1% gross metal royalty on all the iron to be produced from that open pit. It's over, over 1.2 billion tons open pitable iron. Uh, we also have uh, a 10%, uh, almost a 10% shareholding in a royalty company, which we sold the vanadium portion of the royalty to. Uh, so uh, we're well positioned in that. So those are the three that are the most advanced or in production at the moment, and then the one we, we sold. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at a number for one particular one that we're looking at putting into production ourselves. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a very small deposit, but extremely high grade. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's paved road access, power, labor, uh, everything. Uh, so, uh, and it looks like it's, uh, it can be mined with a ramp in a, in about 28 months, uh, no permanent infrastructure and be treated at a local mill. So the mm. cap cost is very, very mm. small. So that's another one, which may be on the books, no guarantees. And which one's that? Sorry. That's called Ironwood. Uh, Ironwood okay. near Cadillac. Sure. Yeah, Ironwood. Good. And so maybe you know again, keep touching on questions that, and I, I respect your, I respect your fact that you don't want to just kind of string some BS along here. But so you know, you say you've got you know one, two, three that are at, at or near production presently. Do you have a projection that you have internally, or something that you'd be willing to share publicly? I mean, where are you at three years from now? Where are you at five years from now in terms of? Even just maybe you know maybe revenue is more difficult to assess, but but how many royalties would be paying in that period of time? Maybe if you could answer that. Honestly, I don't know. It, it depends on others. That's the problem mm -hmm. uh, with with de doing deals with other companies. Yeah, you don't have the expenditure, you don't have the dilution, but you you have to rely on the expertise, both technically and financially, for them to carry it forward. Usually, it's easy with a big company. Uh, small companies, it's time consuming. It always takes longer. Some of them make mistakes and so on. Uh, so yeah, I'm hesitant to sort of give that kind of number. Uh, what I will tell you is that we, we've got, you know, over $25 million in cash and shares in the company currently, uh, plus real estate, plus all our properties. Uh, we have another, 
we just received $2 million from Agnigo Eagle. We got another $6 million in two parts, three and three, over the next 23 months from Agnigo Eagle. Uh, and then we have all the option deals that we have done, which are paying and will pay, uh, and that we are, we're going to be doing. So, you know, I can bullshit numbers, but you know what? I, I don't like doing that. So uh, uh, people can go look at the history, look at the deals we've got, uh, and they can come up with their projections, how many of them are going to go forward and how many won't. A lot of it depends, uh, example, on just on the metal prices. Uh, you know, uh, look at all the gold properties being dropped. I mean, it's ridiculous. The gold price is great. I mean, I love mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. gold going down, actually not going down. It's sort of stabilized. And that, that has made it difficult for a lot of people to maintain their assets. Yay, team. We go and we pick up the assets that they drop, you know. So in these lousy markets, it's good for us. And when the markets turn, the metal price goes up. Gold goes over 2000 2020. People are going to want gold properties in order to do uh, to revive their companies. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm here, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you're sitting there waiting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then, well, why don't I? I'll maybe I'll start asking you questions to things under your own control. Then, right? Because I, I, yeah, I do respect it. Like you say, when you're just holding royalties, it's not up to you anymore. You've had success, right? We discussed electric royalties. You sold that Tennessee Zinc for thirteen and a half million dollars cash plus plus shares. I think you said up to seventeen, eighteen million dollar total value. Uh, Emperor, uh, yeah, Yamana slash Nico Eagle. Um, so as you said, you have about twenty five million bucks in the kitty right now in terms of of cash or share based compensation. Um, maybe first of all, just a quick question, just to to finish this question off or this thought off in my head. What is your like, what's your attitude when you have share based compensation? Are you is it case by case? Are you are you holding on to all shares as tightly as you can? Is this something that no matter the project you'll be stringing out shares a little bit here and there just to pro provide equity for your own company or pro provide cash? I mean, what's do you have a do you have like a, a governing philosophy for how you deal with share based compensation? Yeah, I mean, I, I have a disease, and that's being called being an optimistic <laughs> geologist, uh, and and because we think our properties have potential, I invariably hold stock too long. Uh, because you know that if the done the work is done property, it's got a really good chance of coming up with something mm -hmm. very good. So sometimes you hold them too long. Sometimes you get rid of them because you look at them, you did the deal, and it's it's in spite of yourself that you did the deal. Uh, so uh, you get rid of it, you lighten up. Uh, but generally, we we hold on to a goodly portion of of the shares. Uh, and when we see that they're not being successful, then we start lighting up and in some cases getting rid of completely. But we have a big portfolio of various juniors mm -hmm. uh, and only a couple have actually gone down to zero. Most of them still have intrinsic value. Excellent. So, I mean, you can probably guess where I'm going with this. You, you have a decent little hoard, right? You've got a decent little treasure chest. Uh, I guess, you know, obviously, I think you of all, you of all people I've interviewed, interviewed you know, know the value of accretive value, right? That uh, know that, that that finding things that pre produce increased value for shareholders is obviously the name of the game here. And that for me, you know, I've you know, you look at the growth of the projects you own, you look at the number of royalties you you share, you it's and the number of royalties that you own. It's a it's a matter of compounding annual growth, right? You're this you're kind of hockey sticking here the last decade or two, where and all of a sudden you have like hundreds of projects and you have all of this. 
as you say, kind of intrinsic value under the under the hood here. And now you're actually, you know, you've got 25 million bucks. What are you going to do with it? Is it, are you going to keep going, buying more royalties? Are you going to keep the land acquisition cycle going? Are you going to, you know, maybe scale up and buy larger projects, dividends, share buybacks? I guess we're, you know, obviously, you know, the question I'm asking here, how do you deliver the most value to shareholders with what you have in the, in the war chest right now? There's a number of ways. Uh, None of them are guaranteed. Uh, One of them is to spin out. Uh, assets. Uh, we're looking at a, one one class of our asset uh, block, uh, uh, an industrial mineral. Uh, we have about a half a dozen of that particular mineral. Well, yeah, mineral. Uh, and we're in discussions with the group that have a publicly listed company uh, with that mineral as their base case. And we're looking at putting our properties uh, into their company, getting a large block of shares and then spinning those out to our shareholders, uh, trying to find a way with the least tax problem because hmm. trying to get around the tax problem is a huge concern. Uh, the way structuring deals and so on, it's hard to impossible. But anyway, hmm. uh, so that's one of the ways. Uh, the other ways is to spin out directly, uh, take a particular asset and just say, okay, look, this thing can stand on its own in the right market uh, and, and, uh, and do that. Um, those are basically the, the best ways to do it. The other way to create the value is to, is to like those, the small one that we're talking about putting into production, that's a huge money maker for the, the amount of money we have to put in in the time period to get it going. If we can get it going, it's a huge money maker. Um, and that would be much more than the current total value generated if you take the mining period of 28 months plus the treatment, let's say, let's say, worst case, three years, uh, you'd make more money than the current value of Globex combined hmm. if you go forward with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, is uh, basically letting other people have their headway and let them uh, take a take a block of of projects or of the royalties because we get approached by uh, uh, about our royalties quite often. We're currently talking. Yeah, how do I say? Um, we we we're, we're we're approached often about our royalty package. Uh, we're talking to a company about our royalty package right now. Uh, we're talking to another company on a particular royalty. Uh, each one of those ways is a way to to create value relatively quickly. Um, what somebody also suggested is we spin it off and make our own royalty company. Thanks, but <laughs> thanks. Uh, you know, so th- there's lots of ways. Uh, is there any defined path forward? No, we're opportunistic. I think I said that at the beginning and whatever comes our way, we're going to jump on. If it's in the benefit of the shareholders in structure deals, whether it's property deals, whether it's structural deals, uh, for them. Perfect. I, just two follow-up questions here. First of all, I just can't help but ask thanks, but no thanks regarding starting a royalty spinoff. What, why? <laughs> have you ever run a public company? <laughs> no, I have not. No. <laughs> if you did, then you wouldn't ask that question. The, the lawyers, the auditors, the accountants, the, the staff, staff are the best part. Uh, the the uh, exchange, the IROC, everybody 
has the right to tell you what you should do and how you should do it, and if you do it, why you did it wrong. So life is a pain in the butt running a public company. I've inflicted this upon myself. I do not want to do greater damage to myself. Well said. Yeah, say no more. Say no more. So I guess uh, maybe my, my final actual follow-up question I had for this was, does the, you know, I'm newer to your story, right? I mean, people that have owned, been a part of your company with you for 10 years here, maybe know this, well, know this better than myself. But, you know, if it, does the amount of cash you have on hand change your philosophy or strategy at all? I mean, your, your, your coffers are full right now. Does that make you want to swing up for the fences a bit more or, or do you, or no, or do you just maintain the same, same status quo approach? Well, we'll drill more holes than we normally would because we always do expiration a couple of million bucks a year in expiration. Uh, and uh, so, you know, if I'm looking at a project and I wanted to do two drill holes, maybe I'll do four. Uh, you know, it depends. I'll test more. Uh, but we're very careful about where we drill, acknowledging the fact that it's highly risky, no matter how good it looks. Mm -hmm. uh, so the the other difference is we're, you know, Instead of only looking at hamburger, we're looking at steak now. Uh, and, uh, you know, if the right steak comes forward, uh, we're going to eat it. Yeah, good. Now you're you're getting me hungry. Thank you for that. Um, so, yeah. So I, this is a decent transition here. Again, you do have such a huge roster, right? 232. And you're fairly open about the fact that it's not your job to drill these out, right? That's absolutely cost prohibitive. You'd have to, you know, you'd have to be, be BHP to to take on something like that right um what you do as you referenced just now nicely is that you you do some drilling this is not moose pastor it's not a song and a prayer bs story you there is that initial guesswork out there's meat on the bones you know geologically speaking right that, that there's that confirmation um and i recognize that you know you've got hundreds of projects across all you know every stage of, or you know that runs the gamut from like you know initial discovery all the way up to near production here but i guess maybe you now I'll, I'll circle around with my point here is that i mean you are trading Globex, and this is the nature of, of royalty companies and, and, and kind of portfolio companies such as yours. You know, you're trading at such a deep discount, right? I mean, it's this that it's this if you if you could, you know, you know, the 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 sum is less than the the parts, the the whole, the parts, whatever, right? That you have all these projects that individually, you know, uh, you know, this plus this plus this plus this, and you have that here, and then you compare it to the MB and, and you compare it to the market cap of Globex, and and there's a what you would say is a huge discrepancy, but then my question for you then is that how the heck now this can be, maybe it's two part question on individual project level, but then also on a company level, how the heck do you be, do you extract full or fair value for, for shareholders? That's real difficult. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we, we, well, first of all, I tell you that there, there's a, we have a number of things working against us, and, and they, they sound like counterintuitive. Number one, the total number of projects we have is, I think, pretty much more than 99% of the companies out there, including majors. So it's hard for people to understand and look at that many projects. Number two, we have half the periodic table plus... Uh, all kinds of specialty metals and minerals. I think just looking, we have 118 gold projects, 62 base metal or polymetallic projects, and 52 specialty metals and mineral projects. Oof. Things that people didn't even know that they exist. 
scandium, dolomite, uh, vanadium, uh, manganese, antimony, uh, sodium sulfite, brucite. Uh, you know, they all have value. So it's people look at us and they got to go like, holy crap, you know, what is this? I don't understand this. I don't want to spend my time. on. Hmm. So it, it, it's confusing for a lot of people. It's hard for people to focus on value. Uh, and the last thing, which is going to be really counterintuitive, uh, is we make money. And because we make money, we don't do financing. And because we don't do financings, then we're not recommended by brokerage firms. Okay. As everybody in the industry knows how it works. Uh, I'm not sure investors know how it works. They'll, they'll recommend you and follow you and put out papers about you. If they've done a financing and they got their 8% or 10% fee plus broker warrants. But if you don't do a financing with them, you don't exist. And that's what I was told actually by a, a, the president of a large brokerage firm. Hmm. Not financing with us, like why are you here? You don't exist. So uh, it's strange that, that uh, aspect. So that's how, why it's difficult. Uh, and actually, I've been talking so much, I've lost the basis of the question. Uh, <laughs> so no, yeah, and you're, you're still in the ballpark, right? I mean, I think you're providing value here for people listening. The question was, is, I mean, you know, trading at such a deep, at a deep discount to NBV, you know, you, you've, I think you've articulated nicely the issues confronting that fair valuation. But I mean, how the heck, I mean, is it out of your hands? Is this just a matter of waiting for a bull market? And then you are just a very, very enticing uh, you know, you know, uh, agnostic bull market kind of deal, or how do you go about, and you know, realizing the discrepancy or minimizing that discrepancy? Yeah, I mean, the three things that I said are are, are way heavy on everything that mm -hmm. we do. Uh, but you know, when the lithium became popular, we had lithium properties, so we did deals, generate revenue, shares, and other companies. If they go forward to discovery, then we're going to end pieces a piece of a significant deposit. Uh, when we did the deal on the Montsorcier, that 1% gross metal royalty, that's 1% of all the iron they produce. And there's 1.2 billion tons and open, right? So if they get into production, that's going to create tremendous revenue stream for us. Mm -hmm. uh, plus our interest in the company that has the vanadium. Uh, so the, the, the way that I think that we're going to get, one of the ways we're going to get value uh, realized is by doing deals, showing that we can create value in the ground, value in our purse, uh, and doing, uh, you know, doing more acquisitions to be ready for when, for example, uh, the gold market turns. When the gold market turns, I mean, we're going to be doing deals hands over fist. Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're going to be one of the few companies that actually has really good gold assets and we're putting together regional plays not only uh individual projects but serious regional plays so uh you know i wish i could tell you the definitive mm -hmm. single highway to get the value but that's not our business model our business model is to take this road and that road and that road and back the back road and get there rather than you know going along the highway and crashing. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's interesting. You, you're, you almost end up a gatekeeper, right? Where, where 
when 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 the bulls return you know you are the person handing out parcels right so i think that there's again that patience and you know i'm kind of crafting maybe in my head here or, or articulating what i've crafted about the the bull or narrative for your company is that you have this exposure to a variety of commodities you are not one egg in one basket or all your eggs in one basket you're diversified and then that that patience where i actually can i mean lots of people in the industry talk about respecting shareholder value or respecting shareholder dollars i can't think of a single other company that's come even close to what 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 Globex does and has achieved over the course of decades. And so you can, you know, there is a certain degree of ability to be patient because you're not going to be diluted out of the stratosphere. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, and so, I mean, for me, this is my two-parter and tell me if you think it my, my, I see two ways for that re-rating to occur. And one is that the commodity bull sector returns, but then also, yeah, I think, are you, would you agree that you're kind of suffering the curse of the royalty company where you really don't get credit for what you've got until there's actual cash flow on the books, right? That you have projections and, you know, 90 royalties, but until there's actual cash flowing, these royalty companies don't really seem to get much credit for it, right? That, that is correct. And the other thing I should point out is, is we also are doing buybacks. Mm-hmm. So uh, like right now we have a buyback for another million shares. And considering we only have, 55.2 million shares and we we this is what the third year we're doing it buying back buying back buying back uh because we have the cash so why not but we we're not doing it though per se to reduce the number of shares we're doing it in a very proactive method is is if somebody is going to be for whatever reason somebody dies and the estate is dumping a bunch of shares we'll go in and we'll buy them mm. on the market mm. uh, but uh in the process, though, reducing, reducing, reducing the number of shares so that the intrinsic value of the holdings of each individual shareholder is actually going up by the, those actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I mean, versus dilution where, I mean, you know, good companies can turn into mines and investors such as myself don't make a nickel, right? That the, the, all the value has been lost, right? So no, I, I appreciate that. So maybe I'll, I'll switch gears here. We just have a few minutes left here. Just questions about some, some individual projects. We talked about the Talc Magnus ideal. We've touched on Ironwood. Maybe I want to circle back to Ironwood here for a second. My understanding is that you've been chatting with a neighboring mill. And you've got a mining quote. Uh, do you have any updates or or updates about when we might expect more information or when we might see more news coming out of this? I. Or am I kind of, I'm, yeah, circling back to prod. Yeah. No, I plead the fifth kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing I'll say is that uh, we're, we're, we've we've got two different owners of mills that we're talking to. One are, are looking at the metallurgy currently. We were expecting to have a response already and we still haven't had the response. I sent them an email and said, Hey guys, you know, you know, yes or no. Are you interested or not? Uh, and the other one is I'm having lunch with them tomorrow. Hmm. All so right, good. It'll be brought up at the lunch. Hope it's a good lunch. Yeah. We're talking about other things also, but that's one of the things that'll be at the lunch. Okay, excellent. No, thank you. So t- I'll, maybe I'll, I'll make you come back on in 25 hours and I'll ask the same question. And I'll say no. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then final, final question here. Uh, Silver Granite. So my understanding was in the spring, uh, it was $150,000 payment to you when 300 tons, 300,000, pardon me, tons had been sold. Uh, where, where are they at with that? Have they triggered that royalty payment yet or where are they at with the granite? They haven't. Well, they, they have to pay off the hundred and have to pay down the 150,000. Uh, and uh, the, they're 
they're producing the granite, uh, the crushed granite for Glencore. And so they're subject to the delivery dates uh, as Glencore. Mm -hmm. They have not, the 150,000 was for the first batch. Mm -hmm. So that's paid. Okay. And then, but the second batch, uh, Glencore has been a little bit slower. They're still still being delivered, but at a slower rate. So, I mean, it doesn't matter to us. It's just money in the bank. Whether it arrives this week or next week, I don't really care as long as it arrives. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, but so just just to clarify, yeah, that $150,000 has been paid, 300,000 tons has been dealt. So that, that first milestone has been has been achieved. And now you're just on to 25 cents per ton. Is that the, yeah, I think that I yeah. see from the, yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, I got to go check and make sure that the 150,000 was paid with my controller, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. Sure. He's an SOB like me. <laughs> And then follow-up question there. How many years do you expect that granite product to pay out? I mean, it seems it's kind of neat, right? You you, you sold your non-metals uh, rights to, to to quarry for granite. Uh, do you have any understanding of of what's down there or how much is down there? Uh, there's, the whole property is covered by the granite, and it's a fairly fair-sized property. So the answer, the truthful answer is no. Uh but uh, the the uh, it it depends on well the the end uses the biggest end use the contract in place right now is with Glencore. There's going to be other contracts with Glencore, and then there's going to be other contracts uh, for uh, highways as, to mix into asphalt and so on. And this company's been around for a long time. They do contract mining, open pit mining. Uh, Detour Lake and other places, crushing and so on. So they know the business and they they know the clients. So um, number of years, eh, again, it's one of those things, no matter what number I tell you, I'll be lying. Uh, so as long as it keeps going and they keep paying, I'm happy. I don't, I don't, if it, if it only goes for five years instead of 50 years, that's five years of revenue. Thank you very much. <laughs> you don't put a penny into it. Sure. And so again, I mean, I think people are getting this here, this this idea that you have this very deliberate approach that you've been building up over decades. This this company that you now have, maybe not, you know, that you, I was going to say critical mass, but you you were, I mean, what you have now far outstrips where you were twenty years ago. Uh, I hope I don't. I hope please don't find this insulting, but you look like to be a man who would probably. I mean, are you gonna? I guess the big question is, are you gonna do this the rest of your life, or are you gonna retire soon? I mean, what's your plan? Uh, and then I guess obviously for the not just asking you what your favorite lake is to go fishing at, but I mean, what's your plans for Globex upon retirement? Well, I'll do it for the rest of my life if I live only another week. Uh, the uh, ideally, I'd like to find someone. I've been looking actually uh, for quite a while to find someone uh, who could take my place, and and and. Surprisingly, it's difficult. Uh, I can find geologists. That's not a problem. I know a lot of very smart geologists, uh, and and they're incredibly capable. Uh, the the hard thing to find is somebody who knows how to do business, who who can sit across from somebody, and and make a judgment, hopefully in most cases correctly, as how far you can push, what kind of deal you construct. Somebody who can think on their feet. Uh, who will, who will uh, look at the company beforehand, get an idea of how they think, uh, and and basically do business. And and not many people know how to do business, how to negotiate. 
how to sit down. I mean, the deal that I ended up doing with Yamana, I mean, probably shouldn't say that, but I, I mean, they came on up to the table. I think it was about $2 million. We ended up at 15, hmm. 2% gross. Now, some other people might think two million bucks, yay! Well, I look at my asset. I look at who the person is. You judge. Why do they want this property? Hey, they're mining. They're going to be mining next door. Where can they go to find more ore for that mill? Whoa! I've got a series of one large deposit and a series of smaller deposits, historical deposits that were mined, still have resources. They need this property. Okay, this need this property, I'm going to be an SOB. And that that it's hard to find. Unbelievably, it is hard to find. So that's been my biggest obstacle in is finding the right person. And I've come close a couple of times. I, I came very, very close. Uh, and and but the last minute in two cases, it literally last minute something was said or something was done that just we said okay like forget it because huh. I, I, I part the business part also includes respecting your shareholders and not thinking only about your pocket and a large number of people it's their pocket first and shareholders second or third maybe huh. uh, and that's not that's not the way I'm going to pass I'm going to pass Globex off to someone or join with someone, but it has to be someone who has my shareholders' interests at heart, not only at, in mind, at heart. Hmm. And we'll see if I can find that person. Hmm. Uh, oh, I, th I think that's a, like a genuinely meaningful statement to make, right? That, that that respect for, I mean, there are a lot of used car salesmen and and, and sh sh shysters, I suppose, right? And and with no respect for shareholder value. And, and I guess it's refreshing it makes me, I'll try to be less cynical, right? I mean, it's just one of those things where if, if, if you're in the industry for a while, it's very easy to just get very cynical, right? So, no, I appreciate that. Um, I guess, yeah, honestly, Jack, that's it for me. Do you have any anything you want to finish with or think questions that I didn't ask or to topics that you'd like to cover? Um, not really. The only, the only thing I would suggest, if anybody really is interested in what we've been discussing in, in the company, uh, that they, they take a look at... You know our presentation, which actually, which we're updating because we've made a, a lot more acquisitions in the last the last while. We've extended properties and and uh, uh, acquired new properties, so we have to change our presentation to include that. Uh, but I I would ask that people take the time to focus. Look at our financials. Uh, look at some of our property descriptions. Uh, look at the deals we've done. And then comparative to other people, I think I this third slide, or maybe it's the second slide in my presentation. Let me just check. I have it here. Third slide. It says focus on the value, and I would request that if that people, if they're interested in the junior mining sector, if they want a value proposition, take the time to focus on the value in global. So it really is there. Mm. And I think that people will find. Yeah, it's globexmining.com, globex with an X, just like it sounds, mining.com. I think, Jack, that you, you referenced it well, right? I think part of the issue here is that it is such a dense company, so many projects. It's difficult to really sink your teeth into it. You know, you, you companies with one flagship, it's very easy to understand the economics of it. 232 becomes, a, you know, a bit of a challenge. And maybe that's part of, but for me, 
genuinely believe this is a you know one of those deep value plays that for patient investors can can pay out handsomely in the coming years. Uh, Jack, I thank you for your time. That was a, a very uh, illuminating conversation, even with the uh, the pleading of the fifth there a couple of times. But no, I appreciate it. Well, thank you for taking the time to uh, interview me. Yeah, cheers, Jack. Thank you very much. Have a good right. day. Take it easy. Bye.